It's the Task Management and Time Blocking Podcast, episode 25 and a half. You are a productivity enthusiast, someone who loves to grow and learn in the area of task management. You're aware of most of the gurus out there, the inventors of practices like GTD, creators of apps like Todoist, and you know about things like devices like the Bullet Journal. You also have realized at some point, maybe a long time ago, or even just as you're listening to this episode, that one size does not fit all. In other words, even though gurus and developers claim that they have figured everything out for you, you know that's not true. You've been around long enough to distrust anyone who tells you that they have the final, ultimate, perfect solution. But is that enough? Perhaps this realization is just the beginning of a new journey. In this solo episode, I will look at the issues we all have with one-size-fits-all thinking and what you can do about it in the short term and the long term. I'm Francis Wade, and welcome to the Task Management and Time Blocking Podcast. And welcome back. So if you're you're brand new to this particular podcast, you may not know that we do things a little bit differently around here. One of the ways that we do things in a different fashion is that we spend more time on the problem, less time on the solution. We're following Albert Einstein because he said, if I had an hour to solve a problem, I'd spend 55 minutes thinking about the problem and five minutes thinking about solutions. So in our experience in the world of task management, There's a great deal of power in coming up with a correct diagnosis. And with the correct diagnosis, once you get past all of the the weeds and the the shrubbery and the the overgrowth and all that stuff, (laughs) you actually are able to find a narrowing on the answers. But you've got to get past a lot of the initial thinking that people have so that you can get right to the core of an answer. Then answers appear or they reveal themselves. But let's start off with a story. Manuel has always been a GTD fanatic, a fan of OmniFocus, and he's also a Samsung tablet user. He spent a great deal of time dialing in his system so that he has the perfect implementation that works like clockwork. And then his world changed. He married a woman with four young children received a double promotion at work, and got a stern warning from his doctor to take up a 45-minute-per-day exercise program, or else. But there's still only him, one person. He wishes he had a secretary or a team or some people who reported to him or someone he could delegate to. Kids are too young to be doing that. This is the help he dreams he could have. Instead, he started doing some things he himself told other people not to do. For example, he's time blocking, which GTD, getting things done, explicitly prohibits. (laughs) So he's putting solo tasks in his calendar. At first, he thought he was self-destruct after telling other people not to do this for many years. It didn't happen, 
even though he engaged in this forbidden practice, and now he's actually finding that his life works out way better. He thinks, not sure, but he thinks it's because his life has changed so much, with so many more tasks to complete than he had before. Some of the GTD methods no longer apply. So now he's looking for help in time blocking from anywhere he can find it. He wants to get better at the practice and he's finding others who also made the switch from strictly following GTD. And he's also going through a range of emotions. He's no longer defending the book. He's actually making changes that he told other people not to do. He used to warn them. He was a real zealot. You know, he was a true believer in the words that were written in the book. But on his new journey, he can't find many other people who are talking about the transition that he's going through. That is, from one-size-fits-all thinking to a new world, which looks very strange to him. Almost like he's now traveling without a map. Where should he get help? So if you were here in front of me, I would probably ask you, if you were in a group, how many of you realize that one size does not fit all? And if you've listened to this episode to this point, I'm going to imagine that you have not clicked off to something else. I'm going to imagine that you already believe this to some degree. You've heard it and you've started to suspect that this is true. I'm going to say that it's a universal problem. Why? Because every one of us functioning adults, we need to manage tasks. The obligation to be an effective task manager never goes away as long as you're functional, even in retirement. You hit the age of 15, 16, 17, and from there until the point at which you stop, <laughs> you stop having all your faculties, maybe when the Alzheimer's kicks in, you need to manage tasks. And these tasks are promises that you made to yourself, what we call time demands in our work, but you need to keep them in existence so that you can at some point complete the task that the time demand reflects. Okay, so having said that, Manuel is pretty normal, pretty pretty average in, his, in terms of what he must deal with because as you manage more tasks, something must change. And as he has grown and all of a sudden needs to, needs to learn something new to manage the, the, the task that he now has, he needs to move on from the insight that he had that one size does not fit all. And he needs to find a way to keep systematically growing. You know, he's, he's, as you imagine, he's kind of fighting not only himself, and what he used to believe, but he's, there are also other people, many, that he used to hang out with who claimed that they had the perfect solution. You know, they were zealous fans, some of them, true believers, as I said. They were advertisers of new behavior systems, new apps, new devices. People who really honestly believe that one size does fit all, and some of them believe that they have found it. So he's fighting against that, that, that way of thinking, that mindset that he used to have. So this is an internal struggle. It's also an external struggle. Problem is that now that he's here and he's kind of looking ahead, 
There is no clear map or path to follow. It used to be very easy. Just use this set of behaviors and follow it or use this app and use it or use this device and use it. It was pretty straightforward. But now he looks to the future and he's feeling anxious. Doesn't, didn't, doesn't have what he used to have. And he's also feeling alone because it's not like there's a club that says, here's, here's where you go once you discover that one size does not fit all. Instead, it's wide open. This is a, a, a realization that is fairly new. It's one that has not been explored. It's one that when I ask people, they know it inside, but they've never really expressed it long enough for it to attract solutions. There's no book that says beyond one size fits all thinking. Well, there actually is a book. My book does cover that. It's all about it. But it's still not a popular sentiment. And, you know, Manuel and many of us keep thinking that there should be a way to keep making progress. There should be a clearer path and there should be a way to continue to grow and to learn. And if there, there it never is a, a way, if nothing ever de develops, I can't imagine that someone like him would get, get caught in, in self-doubt, you know, always wondering, did I do the right thing? And feeling as if he had sort of hit a plateau and stopped growing. Um, I think that that's a fear that, that hampers many. Once they realize and they divorce themselves from the school of one size fits all, okay, where's the new school? And that's what most people do. They go look for the next one. They, they, they say, okay, maybe it wasn't that guru, but I need the next guru. So they just keep the search going and they're trying to find the next person to tell them, ah, I have the answer for you. And that doesn't work because even if you find someone who has a better answer than the solution you were using, at some point you'll outgrow it. Why? Because your task volume is always increasing. And you can't, you really can't grow as fast as you used to when you were brand new. When you're following one person or one solution. Why? Because when you are new, following one person or one solution gave you tremendous growth because you were new. It's kind of that new person's effect or beginner's luck. That everything you try to do takes you to another level because it's all you're coming from so far. But then you get to the point of diminishing returns. And now it becomes way more difficult to find ways to get better. You can imagine Serena Williams, Roger Federer, um, top tennis players who need to extract these really tiny improvements. Now, these tiny improvements do pay off at that level. But finding them is like a full-time pursuit and they go through coaches they self-coach ultimately they have to be the ones who decide what these tiny changes are someone doesn't just tell them they certainly don't pick up a beginner's book that someone else will use so you go from a place of making fast improvements to a place where improvements are harder to accomplish but they can be done if you've read any biographies of tennis players you see that they do they do accomplish this, but it's not by following one person or one solution. They craft solutions on their own, and that has to be the answer. You know, if it, and if you if you get to this point 
and this you sort of have this realization and you look f- to the forward to the future and you don't see anything you're susceptible to going back to the old guru or finding another guru why because ahead of you there's this void so today i'm going to invite you to cre- to, to fill that void with a plan to take steps to complete a plan so that when you look to the future, you actually have a map. It's not a map that's handed down or downloaded from the internet or comes from a book. It's one that you create. Okay? So the point here is become your own guru and give up that skill that you had of being a faithful follower of someone else. Because a lot of people in the productivity world make made their initial strides because they were a better follower than the next guy. In other words, they could see, read the instructions, assimilate them, and then systematically go about being a good disciple. And that's, like I said in the beginning, that works really well. But now at this more advanced um, level, you can't imagine Serena Williams becoming a disciple or a tennis player or Andrew Federer. You just, it just doesn't work that way at that level. And guess what? You're at that level. <laughs> you may not be earning earning what they're doing, what they're earning, and you're not winning championships the way they are. But you have the problem of being your own guru. As I said before, it kind of can be really lonely. Why? Why do I say this? Well, because I followed a few gurus. <laughs> so in the in the 1990s, Stephen Covey and the productivity that the, he was sort of my, I guess my introduction to productivity thinking, beginning with the end in mind, the seven habits. Um, I also listened and watched um, um, Tony Robbins and went to his seminars and he touched on productivity a little bit. But it was when I got taught to, to lead the mission control program in 2010. I led it for about four years, three or four or five years, thereabouts, that I really um, picked up on the thinking of one guru, the inventor of that system, and then taught other people to be good followers, be good disciples. Taught that for several years, and it wasn't until... Things didn't really turn around, change, until my mom took the program. Um, And I asked her, well, how was it? And she said, not that good. (laughs) She said, I'm not really using any of it. And I said, so I tried to convince her why she should. Thankfully, she didn't listen. That was a real ass, as you could imagine, as I'm trying to convince my mom that she needs this, this time management, task management program. But it stopped me in my tracks. That made me think, is this really a solution for everyone or just for a few people in a particular phase that they're in? Um, so anyway, I, I, I stopped teaching that program, moved to Jamaica, and immediately ran into productivity problems. So my time management fell apart because life here in Jamaica is way more hectic than the world I left in the United States. So I went looking for a book. I said there has to be a, work, a book on managing your time or your tasks in a developing country that is chaotic, hectic, and unpredictable. So I didn't find anything. <laughs> you could imagine. Google didn't give me anything. Amazon had nothing. And I went for, look. I even Googled, you know, 
time management in a war zone because I figured, okay, that's pretty unpredictable. So maybe there's a way to be effective. I didn't find anything. Um, so I said, okay, well, let me, let me try going back to another guru and I tried GTD and getting things done. I had heard about, I didn't know the difference between it and mission control. So I tried it. I didn't, you know, try something. It made things much worse. Why? Because mission control was built around time blocking. We didn't have the phrase back then, but that's what it was. So I went from being someone who did time blocking to someone who stopped doing time blocking. And like Manuel, if Manuel you know, does go back, he's going to find out that it gets a lot worse. And that's exactly what I did. Took me a while to realize, okay, this is much, much, much worse. And I went back to using time blocking. And this time I said, okay, I've I been through how many gurus? I need to find a different way. And I'm going to share with you the steps that I took in, in just a moment. But as I share, I, I want you to, as we go into the solutions, I want you to sort of map this onto your own situation, your own life. That if you're really at this moment where you've realized that one size doesn't fit all, you may be convinced of it, utterly convinced that you're teaching it to other people, or you may just have an inkling that this may be true. And that if it's true, it must mean something. It must mean something about the way that you grow from now on. So well, what could it mean? Well, it could mean that you now need to pay attention to a lot of new experts, a lot of new voices that you haven't paid attention to before. And the way I came about that was I knew, for example, about the skill of capturing. So capturing is securing a time demand, securing a task at the moment that you create it. And most of us try to secure a task or, or a time demand in our mind using our memory. So we try to remember to do the task later. A book like Getting Things Done and most intro-level task management programs teach you that Keeping tasks in your mind is a bad idea. You need to transition to either writing them down on paper, putting them in a device, having someone else manage them for you, like a, an admin, putting them in a voice recorder, but having some reliable place so that your mind isn't the place where tasks are being remembered. It's somewhere else more reliable. And this is the key to up-leveling from being a, big, a, a real beginner to someone who's now using um, effective methods and trying to improve them. So capturing was the example I had. And I had been exposed to rubrics. And if you're, if you're a training person, you know what a rubric is. It defines different levels of improvement. And I wondered, you know, based on what I was seeing in Jamaica, there were folks who were using a lot of memory and there were folks who were using higher skills. I wondered if, if you knew about capturing and someone taught it to you, like, okay, here's what's going on. The first thing is that A, you're already doing it, and B, there's a hierarchy that you don't know about, a hierarchy of skills. So I don't know if you're familiar with the NFL Combine or the NBA Combine, but what these Combines do is they take recruits and they put them through a rigorous series of tests in the different micro skills that make up their sport. And at the end of the combine, they're given detailed feedback 
and it's it's you know kudos to the sporting world because they figured out how to do this and here in task management we're kind of floundering around but they give you detailed feedback on how well you perform in each task so that goes to recruiters who you know look at the look at the reports and then decide who they want to bring on uh, into their teams but it also comes back to you so you now have a map uh, a map of the territory of how to improve we don't have anything like that and that's what gave me the inspiration to create the ETAPS model that I'm going to share with you. That's part of my book, Perfect Time-Based Productivity, and also part of all of my trainings. So ETAPS stands for Evaluate, Target, Plan, and Support. Those are the four steps. And it's a method of when you run into a new skill that a guru or someone is teaching you, the question is, how well are you? under-evaluate, how well are you already performing it? Because in task management, you are already performing all of the fundamental skills, but unfortunately, it's at a, a low enough level that, or a, low le a level that's so low that you aren't getting the results that you want. So it's not that you're not doing it, it's that you need to improve it. But without a map, without a, what I created back then was a ladder of skills. <clears throat> where each rung had a different level of skill. At the highest level, highest rung was the highest skill, lowest was the lowest. Because here's what I thought. I thought, I need a way to train and teach folks here in Jamaica who are at the lowest level how to climb the ladder and improve their skills. And that's not just about telling them that they need to capture. No, they, are, they, are, they need to know they're already capturing, but they're just doing it at... A level that doesn't give them the results they want and that's true for the all the fundamentals the 13 fundamentals that, that I shared in my book but what does this have to do with you well as I said when you come across a new guru who tells you about a new behavior the first thing you apply is ETAPS evaluate where am I now what level what what if I took this experts behavior that they're recommending and I broke it down into levels where am I now where do I want to be and by when, so you come up with a target, how do I bridge the gap? And what support do I need so that I can make progress and get to the target level, target rung that I want to be at? So this is a way for you to manage the input from lots of experts. And it's a way for you to create your own map, your own plan of improvement your own movement. So this is not the movement of, to contrast it, this is not the movement of a newbie who is hearing about capturing from a guru for the first time. This is the movement that you as someone who is experienced and realizes that one size doesn't fit all and that you can't make all the improvements at the same time, you use ETAPs to come up with a plan that targets the right improvements at the right time so that you're not trying to improve everything at the same time and you're not just trying to become reach the top wrong regardless of where you are right now. So you have a more realistic pathway to follow. So that's the first, the first solution, let's say, that allows you to learn as fast as you can. 
even though there are multiple experts out there, multiple developers, multiple apps, multiple devices, you can still survey the ones that you want, are interested in or have heard about and pick the ones to improve inside your plan. So what you're looking for are Pareto improvements. We talked about on prior episodes. The improvements that give you 10% of the effort for 80% of the results. Okay. All right. So the second, second element, second solution is could be that you may, you know, as you hear me talking about levels and planning and, you know, evaluating yourself based on the input of others, you may be thinking, boy, do I have to be really smart or intelligent or insightful or I need to learn meditation. You may think all kinds of things that this is, this is sounding just way too hard. Well, the way to get around that is to learn with others and not try to do this on your own. So there, there are different kinds of opportunities to join communities. So we have a community um, called Mighty Taskers. Um, and we are also going to create a community, a temporary community, at the summit that's coming up in a couple of weeks' time. But these are gatherings of people who care about the same kind of progress. So I'm not recommending that you go join a community of people who believe in one-size-fits-all or who believe in one guru's teaching. No. I'm suggesting that you follow, find a group who believes that one-size-doesn't-fit-all and that all points of view and contributions are welcome. And that you need a skill like the one I mentioned using ETAPS to be able to filter the changes you need to make so that you can make these Pareto improvements. So this actually happened with me. Um, I, I joined a, a training which 250 people were in. And of course, as, as you would join one of these things, you feel like a alone, right? You don't know anybody. I didn't know anybody. So I felt like, no, this is a solo, solo adventure. Three days long, okay, no problem. But somewhere, about the first or second day, I could feel it changing as we started to share with each other and teach and learn from each other, especially during the breaks when we had set exercises. So we went from being a bunch of solo individuals to being a group. And by the time the the third day came, it was a community, you know, with inside jokes and all the things you would expect of a tightly grouped set of people who are all heading in the same direction together. So you may start off feeling alone. So if you do feel alone right now, understand that this is, this is just normal. But there are steps to take. So I'm going to invite you to take our summit starting on March 2nd to 4th as a way of joining a community. And I'm also going to put a link in the show notes to our online community, which will continue after the summit is over. Okay. So the third opportunity, third way in which you can sort of fill the gap, fill the void of real, once you realize that one size doesn't fit all, is to share. Is to figure out a behavior that you're trying to improve in this new world and tell others about it. So I, I happen to have done this myself when I moved back to Jamaica. I started a blog called Moving Back to Jamaica. <laughs> and my intention was to help anyone who came after me. I had it for about seven years. It eventually turned into actually this, pod, this podcast you're listening to and the summit that's coming up 
and the books that I wrote, everything came from that initial sharing, that initial blog that I wrote. I just never written for an audience before. And I, I, I found it and started writing about productivity in addition to this moving back to Jamaica business. I had to start my own other separate blog and that separate blog became everything that I do in the world of productivity today. So it all came around finding a behavior that I wanted to improve. And I can only tell you that when you've isolated that behavior and you're willing to share it with other people who are interested in hearing about it, like an audience, that some magic can happen. So I strongly recommend that you do that. So coming up, I'm hoping that you're hearing this in time. On March 2nd to 4th, there's an opportunity to put all these three lessons or ideas into play. It's the Task Management and Time Blocking Virtual Summit. It's our fourth annual. And for three days, we'll be a community. And we're going to have 35 or so or more speakers. We'll have 24-hour videos, which means that you can log in from anywhere in the world and hear, hear recorded videos. We're going to have live panels, a live audience at different times. We're following Eastern time. We'll be backed up by the online community that I mentioned before, Mighty Taskers. In the session itself, we're going to have networking, which is going to give you an opportunity to meet people and to share the way in which I, I described before so that you can spur on your growth. And guess what? Free e-tickets are currently available. So again, I'm hoping that you hear this in time. If not, you should still register for the next one that's coming up at some point in the future, probably next year. But you should go to www.timeblockingsummit.info. And if you miss, you know, you're hearing this after the fact, and you're like, ah, oh, no problem. Because what we've put together is something called an all-access pass, which is a package of replays. So that package of replays is on sale before the summit for $99. And it will give you one year of access to all the videos, which is a, a number of hours. I can tell you it's going to work out to more than 20 hours. All from people who have reached this point in their life where they know that one size fits all doesn't work. And they've moved on. Sorry, one size fits all doesn't fit all is the solution. And they've moved on. So they've had that realization and now they're implementing different aspects of what they're finding in their life and they're teaching others. So I'll tell you, this wasn't an easy group to put together because there's a bunch of people out there, writers, authors, bloggers, podcasters, vloggers, uh, coaches, consultants, authors who do not believe what I'm telling you about one size fits all. They believe the very opposite and some of them believe that they have the answer. So it took a while for me to put together this particular audience. And I recommend that you come and hear what, sorry, not audience. Put, well, actually, it did take a, time, a while to put together this audience, that too. But this group of speakers was specially selected because they're the ones who get it. And if you get it, you shouldn't, you, shouldn't, you, shouldn't avoid, you shouldn't miss this opportunity to either be at the summit or grab a copy of the All Access Pass. So I will tell you that if you're, if you're hearing this after the summit is over, the price would have gone up for the all-access pass. Um, but it is available to you. Your way to access 
a whole new level, a whole new journey, a whole new possibility. Okay. So this is Francis Wade and I'm signing out. Uh, but I do have another little message to tell you about next episode here at the Task Management and Time Blocking Podcast. So just keep listening. Thinking of attending the next Task Management and Time Blocking Virtual Summit? Here's a 25% instant saving on your purchase of any ticket or content package. Simply visit timeblockingsummit.info slash subscribe dash to dash podcast. And here's a clip from our next episode with our guest, Daniel Bailey. Well, I mean, surely they, they wonder what's wrong with them, right? Because we've gotten to this point ourselves somehow we've gotten here and they wonder what's wrong with them it's very defeating to be in a situation where it's obvious things aren't working Mm -hmm. but we're still doing things and we're still getting the same results but we don't know how to measurably change Mm -hmm. so i i do think that you know they lose self-confidence there's something wrong with them sometimes we get so exhausted that decision fatigue sets in so And if you want to leave a comment about this episode or any aspect of the work that we're doing here at the Task Management and Time Blocking Podcast, you can go over to www.replytofrancis.info and send me either a message uh, by text or send me a voice message, a voice note. And as you probably know, we have a couple of places that you can interact with other people, talk about this episode. One is at the community mightytaskers.scheduleu.org and you'll see the link in the show notes. And the other, of course, is our upcoming Task Management and Time Blocking Summit coming up in March. Two outstanding opportunities to interact with other people about the ideas that you've heard on this podcast or any of your episodes that are coming up. And if you'd like to support the work we're doing, I invite you to click on the Patreon link below to make a donation. And please don't forget to like our show and recommend it to others on iTunes, Stitcher, Google, or whatever podcast, app, or service you're using. This is Francis Wade. I'm signing out. I hope to see you on a future episode. And until then, take care and all the best. See you later.